Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. Uh, on In today's call, I get to interview a uh, previous guest, Brian McKay, uh, host of the Optimum Human Podcast, uh, and I hope you guys stick around, enjoy just us uh, being able to catch up. It's always fun to have somebody back on the show, see where they were at then, see where they're at now, so I encourage you, go back, check out the first episode, listen to this one, see what you think, and enjoy. All right, guys, and welcome to another episode of Bare Naked Health Podcast. And online today, I have a return guest, uh, Brian McKay. Brian, uh, give us give us a little bit of a rundown. What's been going on with you? Uh, I think it's been about two years since we really got to hang out like this and chat. Uh, maybe what's new uh, in in the world of pain free fitness and uh, with the Optimum Human Podcast? Yeah, man, like uh, a whole lot and not a whole lot at all at the same time. I mean, uh, uh, definitely uh, been able to uh, grow my business quite a bit since since the last time we spoke. And, uh, um, you know, me and Claude are on a bit of a hiatus uh, from the Optimum Human at the moment. We're kind of uh, uh, working on figuring out how to rebrand or not rebrand, but uh, refocus ourselves and get back into it. We've got... Uh, Got some new guests coming up, and and just kind of trying to figure out what direction we want to take it in, and then uh, um, I don't know about the biggest thing uh, would be I back in October uh, took uh, uh, myokinematics, a uh, postural restoration institute course with uh, Mike Cantrell, and um, life changing to say the least. Uh, in what ways? Like I, I know of uh, the institute and all, all of that, but yeah, give maybe people a little bit of a quick overview of what it's about uh and then maybe if you want to take a dive into the course and like how it's been uh maybe affecting like uh maybe for yourself but also in your practice how you've been using it all mm-hmm, absolutely um i mean the biggest thing so my kinematics is basically the uh the gate cycle relationship between the pelvis femur uh the way the the, the femurs sit in the uh um sit in the in the hip socket itself and um so it, it's basically the gist is is every human due to uh, liver on the right, heart on the left, all our organs are anatomically different. Is we orient typically with our pelvis to the right and our uh, rib cage over to the left, and so it's through some uh, basically uh, very complicated uh, movements where you're basically putting yourself into a, a weird position and and firing the muscles that are supposed to be firing and then just breathing through it. And I've, uh, just seen just amazing improvements with, uh, with the clients that I've been working with. So it's been, it's been super cool and, and really excited to be, uh, uh, be taking more, more of their courses here in the future. All right. I want to play devil's advocate on this. Cause I'm curious, like why, why do you, or why do they necessarily maybe explain? Maybe you're not sure why, like, uh, okay. So saying like, um, you said ribcage is towards the left, pelvis is towards the right, correct? Correct. Okay, so I would automatically think of that. Well, the majority of the population is right-hand dominant, so that would be the way that they're reaching, they're pushing, they're pulling. Like That would be the norm to fall into. So why is it maybe more on organs, or do, do they just kind of say like that's almost the, the norm of people? So from from my understanding, it's both you know the the anatomy as well as our our movements, so... I was just so, curious, like, because I'm always interested to, like, how organs affect the body, too. That's why it's, like, I, I automatically want to think, like, okay, well, what else could it be? if it, Is it truly the organs? Because, yeah, I would expect 
the the heart and the liver also weigh different amounts too, right? Like so, even right. just something like that, like the liver is massive, uh, and even just that, like, would skew things like one way or another too. Right. And I, I was listening to a podcast with Pat Davidson, which if you have not had him on, he is just amazing. Um, uh, again, not going to explain this completely right, but basically I don't remember which, uh, which ventricle, but every time the heart pumps, it's shooting, we'll call it a blood bullet forward. And guess what happens every time you, sh- you shoot a bullet, there's a kickback. So you're literally getting a kickback back to the left every time the heart pumps. Yeah, there has to be that, uh, like, the recoil of it, basically. Yes, yeah, so you're going to have something. Exactly. Huh. Well, okay. H- have you ever listened to, um, uh, I think it's Thomas Cowan, Talk on the Heart? He doesn't actually, he, he believes that it's not a uh, pump, but that it's actually, like, um, uh, more like a vacuum. Like, it's it's after it's not the pushing out, it's, like, the sucking of it back in uh, that he believes pumps the blood. I mean, it would still have the same kind of concept. Like, there would still be Absolutely. some type of... Uh, I was just curious, like if you'd ever heard that, or if you've no, uh, no, heard I haven't. talk about that. That's a, a really interesting concept. I, I've got to believe it. It goes both ways. So that's it's, what I would think too. Actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, just but, because, yeah, the, like there, there, are, uh, you, you're going to have different chambers doing opposite things, really. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know how that all works. That's why I guess I don't study the heart and not a cardiologist, but still intriguing to me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I know I, as I'm digging and finding different aspects, it's, it's, you know, what area do I actually want to focus my attention on? Because there's just so much really good stuff out there that can, you know, really help a lot of people. And, you know, where, where do I need to spend my time? Well, so speaking of like spending that attention, so is that kind of where you're going more right now is just like, overall posture is there something about posture because you said like you a lot of you guys were assessing gait with uh the course you took mm-hmm, absolutely so now i mean have you just noticed yourself looking at gait i mean exponentially oh, more it's like it's the same absolutely. thing like you get a new car like now all of a sudden you see that car on the road everywhere is it probably the same thing with the gate looking or watching gate right now uh, yeah it's funny enough i just recently got a new car so i'm noticing the car thing as well <laughs> what about gate though have you uh taken notice so like you said You'll notice that most people have the pelvis one way, the rib cage the other way there. But is there something about gait that you're picking up just on even more? Uh, or is it just a different way that you're looking at it at all? So typically, um, right hip lags back on most people. However, I've also noticed a lot of women, not men, but women, the left hip will lag back. So that's one thing I've noticed. Another thing I've noticed is typically when people have um, you know, the, the, the duck foot, Typically, the right foot will be more. And so, you know, typical thought processes, oh, glute medius pulling that that femur into external rotation, whereas really what we're going with from the PRI perspective is, no, it's actually in line with the pelvis, and it's actually your left that is rotated outward even though it looks like it's straight ahead so it's uh it's definitely been flipped the world upside down and and really uh it it actually funny enough it reminds me of my my grandfather he would tell me a story about when he was fixing a bike he couldn't figure it out so he'd walk around the thing and um you know flip it upside down and and look at it from another perspective and that's really where you're able to uh really get the uh get the solutions 
Okay, so you're having a different uh, assessment, a different analysis of it all. Like, wh how have you uh, just put that into practice? Like, what are you doing differently, uh, maybe with yourself, with clients uh, that you normally wouldn't have been doing before this? Then doing a lot more unilateral work. So one-handed, one-legged work is is just huge. And and rather than balancing, you know, the three sets of fifteen on both, we're doing you know three sets of fifteen on one, and and maybe. Um, so for instance, I, I've got one client, we're doing hamstring curls on the left side, like crazy. And then we're doing, you know, lunges with right leg forward. And it, the, the change in her gait is just incredible. This is something I, when I do this with patients too, like they'll, they'll look at me like, why am I doing this on one side and not the other? Or like you're doing like huh. opposite movements. Like they're so confusing. But then I mean, when you go through it and explain something, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. But there's sometimes it's just this like, what, what the hell is that about? Like, why would I want to be imbalanced? But no, you're actually bringing back further into balance rather than uh, taking out of. Uh, yeah, because uh, some people like think about it, like they'll think of the stretching more so like, and people understand that, but they don't think about using the exercise where you can still do the same thing where, okay, stretching might be lengthening. Here's you're just going to be shortening to just pull it back in the opposite direction then too. Absolutely. Are there any, uh, or did you guys go over with the class, like um, any specific unilateral work uh, or different exercises that you hadn't used before, like to try and just do some of those things where you're pulling back one way or another? Um, yes, and <laughs> they're so complicated to uh, yeah. to ex explain over this medium. So that's that's a, to that's be a fair frank, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Uh, they, they, are you going to get up any YouTube videos or anything on that, maybe? Uh, I haven't really considered, but, uh, that is something that I, I definitely need, need to do. So right, cool. I was just curious just so we can maybe check them out, but, uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay. One of the things that I was curious about too. So, uh, again, you've been like pain-free fitness, like that's, that's part of your gig. That's part of your stick, right? Like what is it recently like that you've learned maybe about pain? Like, is there anything that you've uh, and again, like last two years or so since we've been, uh, since we've really had the opportunity to chat, anything new like in pain science that has really just uh, sparked your interest or changed the way you practice at all? Uh, not so much pain science, but what actually comes to mind is working with like the, the mind and the spirit. And what I have found is once I started, because like I, I still have this, this left shoulder issue, um, that I've been dealing with for, for a lot of years. And, and it, fortunately for me, it's down to typically about a one out of a 10 on the pain scale. Um, but it was only once I, I started doing some heart work with, uh, with John McMullen, um, that I was, I don't know how to say this exactly, but when I, when the physical work that I was doing actually started to take a hold and really reduce the pain. So is it the, you know, is just the spiritual work alone enough? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. In my experience, I would say no, but does it open up things to allow that physical work to really take hold? And, and, uh, so from my experience, the answer to that is yes. I could not agree more on that. Like you said, that's exactly, that's the perfect way to put it though, too, is spiritual work probably won't work in and of itself uh when there's something else physical going on but it allows you to just be like down to the one out of ten pain where you can actually work on it where you can really go through and address everything that's going on like 
that is awesome to hear. And I think that's something that people need uh, a greater understanding of. It's like, okay, all the stretches, exercises, whatever it is, probably aren't going to get you to that point by themselves, but in combination with everything else. Uh, and especially, I feel like the heart, the heart, I'm giving off so much electricity, uh, just the, the, the way that it conducts, like the, there's so much more to it than just the physical part of the heart that, that we think of, like, oh, we think of it just as a heart. Uh, but I mean, it's just giving off so much more energy than that, like uh, to those around us, uh, it's accepting so much more as well. Yeah, I, I can't remember the, uh, the the donut shaped. Is it torrent or or tor something? Taurus, Taurus. That's what it is. The that ju just came to mind for me. You know, it, it, it's it's a ton of energy. It, do you recall how much more energy the heart has than the brain? No, I because there's the the brain. The, there, it's basically like a ratio of the brain, the heart, and it's just like into the solar plexus, like. And, but it's just like exponentially more like mm -hmm. if it's a thousand in the um, throwing my pen around here, <laughs> if it's a thousand in the brain, it's like 5,000 uh, in like the solar plex area. And then it's like 10,000 in the heart. Uh, I, I, it just gets exponentially more like each time yeah. or something like that. Uh, but it's it just still such an intriguing thing to me too. Absolutely. And I mean, it, you know, unless you've got crazy, you know, multi hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment, you can't really see it. So it's just kind of getting in tune and, and feeling it and, you know, just uh, assuming that, that it is correct. Uh, all right. This is something I want to touch on. So why, uh, why do you say that you can't see it without uh, exponential amounts of money? Well, I mean, to, to have all the medical machinery and, and stuff that, that My you point is why, why do you think it has to be done with medical machinery? Uh, I don't know, but I feel like you're about to enlighten me. Uh, no, this is something like I've, I've, I've tried more cultivating with myself. Like, uh, I don't actually like for me, auras. like, I'm not great at seeing that type of thing for me. It's like you said, I think you mentioned the word feeling. Um, mm -hmm. but I still hear people like you talk about being able to see an aura. And uh, I think that's something that there are people that can pick up on. Um, and or, Okay. You know the one, you have a young kid right now, right? Uh, so any, uh, well, I'm going to put in quotes here uh, for people who can't see, like imaginary friends that you know of. Uh, not yet. No. Or any, okay, how about did you, for yourself, did you have any growing up? Mm. Not that I recall. All right. So this Which is, is like, kind, of, kind of weird because I feel like I should have. I was I was that that kind of weird kid. <laughs> I can just think to remember like I had three imaginary friends, and now so like a lot of the uh, shamanic work I've taken is like no those those friends they they tell you like aren't imaginary. Uh, they're just like spirit guides like hey going through the world with you. Uh, nice. So I, I I distinctly think this is something like that uh, we can all see. We all have the ability to. Uh, it's just we've probably kind of shut that down. It's like, but you said uh, earlier, you said like the word feel right when it comes to the heart. So you have that sensation. Um, you might not be able to visually see it, but you have still that feeling that sense that, okay, maybe your heart, other hearts that you're around, like are still giving off that energy. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, that's where, you know, having a, I guess, mentor for lack of a better word to teach us how to tune into that is, is so important. And, um, 
you know, I, okay. When uh, you were working with John, did you guys get into any of that feeling of the heart, or just if, uh, any other vibrations? Um, actually, not so much with John, but but with uh, another mentor I, I had, um, with just kind of um, working on feeling different body sensations, and um, I mean, getting getting oneself in into the present moment, and, and turn off the the chatter in the monkey mind, and and really feel what's going on in the body. It, at uh, at this very moment. Well, now, wasn't that something you guys went into on one of recent podcasts? Could be. <laughs> I, I, like, well, I think because um, I was checking out again some more of your recent ones just to refresh, uh, and I thought you and Claude had one where it was just like the two of you talking, and it was more of like a present state. Like uh, I'm trying yeah. to remember the title of it. Um, yeah, now I remember what what you're talking about. Yeah, it was being present during a workout. So you know when when you're when you're pushing those last few reps of squats, like let's pay attention to the burn you're feeling and not try to to block it out. I I think presence during a workout, like I don't think people understand necessarily what that means. Like a heavy workout can still either. be very meditative. Yeah, absolutely, uh, I think it should be. And if it's not, I, I think maybe you're not necessarily wasting your time completely, but I think you're wasting it more than you would be if you were actually paying attention to, to everything that's going on with, within you. Is there any way that you, uh, like for yourself, any clients you work with, like that you recommend to help them uh, cultivate that awareness, like specifically during a workout then? Um, so again, like the, the, the PRI stuff is huge for that because a lot of the stuff is, is very single muscle or at least, uh, the, the, the beginning stages of it are, are single muscle exercises where you're going to feel that muscle, whether you like it or not. And so like, let's pay attention to it. Let's notice it. Let's feel what it feels like. And then, you know, when you get up and, and go to walk and you're walking smoother or whatever else, like, you know, now you get to really, um, get to, again, just be more aware of, of your body and space and time. And, and that's a good way to put it too, because you're doing the, the movement, the exercise, whatever it is, but then now putting it immediately into practice with a gait. I mean, which is, I mean, one of the most fundamental things that we do, <laughs> like to, to neglect that part, to just do an exercise and have it be an exercise rather than, uh, help with your overall movement. I think is just a waste as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I mean, I'm at the point with a lot of my clients, particularly the ones with um, physical issues is, you know, let's test after every set. You know, if, if we got a leg issue, let's go for a walk. Let's see how smoothly you're walking or, um, you know, let's let's see how that how that shoulder range of motion is after we do, you know, the exercise. And, um, you know, it, it that has that in and of itself has made a huge difference in in my practice. Um, and trying to think what, Oh, so, um, you're, you're obviously very familiar with the Czech wood chop. So I I had this lady come in for a consultation. She was on portable oxygen and had some medication ported directly into her heart. She was a mess. She had a pulse oximeter. Uh, with her and I don't remember what her pulse was but her oxygen was down at down to like 86 or something which is quite low for for people who don't know so I had her do one set of 10 wood chops raised it up to I think 89 and lowered her her pulse did another set got her 
O2 sat up to 93 and the pulse down even more. She told me at that point that like last time I saw 93 O2 sat was in the hospital with, you know, oxygen fully up. We did one more set. We did one more set and went right back to where she started. So we overdid it, but by doing the wood chops, getting the ribs to come down, getting into more of an exhalation posture, balancing CO2 and O2, she's actually able to utilize the oxygen that she has, therefore changing the O2 sap. I, I want to make, make sure people understand that. Like That was just a very profound thing right there. Uh, just by a simple movement and like... Oxygen saturation is this very simple, objective thing to monitor, too. Um, and if you're not, like, actually, if your body's not getting just the oxygen you're taking in, like, that's going to lead to a whole mess of problems. I mean, uh, but that's actually really profound that just something so simple is, and was this just, like, an unweighted movement? Did you add any resistance? Yeah, it was, it was the, the uh, woodchop zone exercise. Okay, that's what I was just checking. Like, uh, you said woodchop, but I wanted to make sure, like, it was probably just yep. the zone, and I kind of figured. Um, but that's a profound, just simple body weight, like, breathing movements can be, mm -hmm. and just the power behind that, uh, and, I, I think, is incredible. I'll, I'll tell you, my reaction was exactly the same as yours. I'm going, what in the hell? I had no idea that, that we would get that type of results from, you know, just a simple exercise. And it's and that quickly as well. Yeah, truly amazing to me. Is there anything else that you've ever seen? Uh, just, I mean, in general, like anything you were like, wow, didn't expect that, but just saw some awesome results from it before? Um, I feel like there's something, but it's not coming to mind. But what is coming to mind was... Uh, uh, my mentor, uh, Aaron Wallace, actually um, created this uh, technique uh, that he used on, a, on an elderly client with uh, diabetic neuropathy. Hadn't had feeling below his knees in 30 years. So basically combining intuition, essential oils, and reflexology, within a few months, he had feeling back in the bottom of his feet after not having it for 30 years. I'm going, what the hell is this? <laughs> And uh, unfortunately, due to the frailty of his skin, we ended up having to stop because the essential oils were, were beating up his, his skin pretty bad. But uh, uh, we were still able to cut out the essential oils, and we weren't able to gain any more ground. Um, but we were able to kind of keep him where he was until he unfortunately passed this summer. But um, it was a, a really... Uh, profound, shocking, amazing. I mean, what the human body is capable of is just truly amazing to me. I think just nerve regeneration is very fascinating. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, it's like under absolute ideal conditions, you can like regenerate nerve at like a millimeter a day, which most people are going to be under ideal conditions to begin with. So right. like, think like the damage that has occurred, like you look at just, uh, even the length of your foot, like diabetic neuropathy oftentimes is like up to the knee, up to like, you're looking at like full length of the leg. Like this can be just years and just what else can happen though? Like you said, this didn't even take necessarily that long. Like the, if you give the body the right stimulus, it can just regenerate. It's it just astounding rates. Uh, I, 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 I feel like uh, we just are really limited by our thoughts, our beliefs. Like, if, if that's all we think that we can do, like if 
if he would have never believed that he could have healed, like this also would have never happened. That's also, I think, a fascinating part to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, yeah. And what's interesting is he was a, um, a surgeon. Um, oh, I can't remember um, name of it. He was a surgeon for a lot of years, so he's very familiar with the medical model and then trying to incorporate this Eastern stuff into, you know, working with this Czech practitioner. It's like, I mean, the fact that he was even open to it was pretty amazing to me. Yeah, you don't often see that. And I think that the more uh, patients that I have that are uh, either physicians or nurses, like people that are really steeped, like you said, in just that Western model and like, the more that they see, it's like, oh, I guess there there is a little bit more than uh, I've, I've I've come been led to believe. Uh, it's just you have to be open to it. Absolutely. So, what else are you uh, geeking out on? I mean, you said like some of the postural stuff. I mean, is there anything else? Uh, actually, one of the things that I was curious if you've dug into it all. Uh, so, we've talked about pain here today, and you said you had used like cannabis in the past um, for just pain relief. Uh, and this has been something now that's, I mean, more in the forefront, I think, uh, with states, um, what is it, decriminalizing. I think some states have legalized it. It still mm-hmm. is a federal issue. Uh, is there anything that you've even just, like, researched or I'm not sure uh, how it's like uh, where you're where you're living? Like, I, anything uh, you, you've delved into with that? Uh, not a whole lot. I, I played a little bit around with uh, CBD oil, which is the basically yeah. the non-psychoactive uh compounds and um uh, i haven't really noticed much of a difference with that so there's a lot of people that swear by it um another one that i i'm showing at least some interest in i haven't really done much research at all is, is kratom or kratom yeah which is uh from my understanding kind of a similar to a natural opioid yeah and, and it's one of those like i know of it uh and i know it already has like a bad rap. And I think the reason that it does is because it actually works and helps people and it's just a plant. So therefore it's not a compound that can be sold right now. Birch. uh, I think it's bark off a tree. I believe it is. I'm not not even sure. Yeah. But But, uh, anything about it, like, or he's like, you said, you're kind of just in the infancy of just certain. Yeah. Very, very infant, infant stages. So, uh, I mean, another thing is, you know, it all comes back to, is this a, a Band-Aid or is this actually going to, you know, address the root cause? And um, sometimes I think we need a Band-Aid, but we also better be looking at the root cause as well. And so that's uh, kind of uh, try not to recommend too many Band-Aids to people. But I think it goes back to what we talked about before. Like you said, with, with your shoulder there, right? So was it at the root cause or was it a Band-Aid? Like, when you're working on some of the hard stuff, like, and or when you're combining it with the exercises, like, which is necessarily the band-aid, which is the root cause, and it might have been that you just needed that combination of all of the above, and it doesn't necessarily matter which one did what, uh, or or otherwise. Absolutely, I would agree with you there for sure. Uh, all right, so I'm curious. Uh, last time we talked about uh, sleep a little bit as well, uh, and now having a kid, how have your sleeping habits uh, changed? Like, is there anything that you've really done uh, to improve upon those or anything that you're still really working on for yourself? 
Uh, about the biggest thing has been uh, reintegrating the, the blue blocker sunglasses at night. That's been a, a pretty significant thing, and i probably got to get another pair because I feel like they aren't working as good as the first pair I had that broke. But uh, it's just cutting out the blue light from about 8 o'clock on. By 9.30, I'm like ready for bed, and I'm, I'm all, all about that. Do you do anything differently like summertime versus wintertime? Um, I would say more just wintertime closer to nine thirty, and and summertime closer to ten ten thirty, and just you know trying to go by the, uh, um, maybe not consciously focusing on when the sun's going down, but I think it just kind of naturally occurs that way. Now, when do you get up? Like, how long of a sleeper are you on on average? So I I typically wake up uh, without an alarm six a.m. Just you're good to go. Yep. I, I love that because, you know, back when my late teens, early 20s, at, you know, 2, 2 p.m. I'd wake be rolling out of bed. That amazes me. Like the, the differences that people will go through in a lifetime. But also what time are you going to bed, I guess, too? Right. Yeah. You know, there's going to be that part of it. <laughs> a lot later in the teens for sure. But uh. I, I'm always in, I'm intrigued by sleep so much that. I'm very curious about how much sleep we really need Uh, from the standpoint of everybody really seems to be so variable. Like I talked to some people who it seems like they're going, 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 they're lifting hard, they're training hard. They're like booming businesses, like doing all this. And they're like, I want to know, like, is it that they're getting by or that they're thriving on like those five hours of sleep a night? Cause I I, want to know just how much of it is just absolute bullshit and how much of it is, no, some people really just are that well adapted uh, or their bodies really are okay with doing that. Right. And and I, th- I think for me that comes down to like either dousing or using intuition and, and really looking, you know, being able to gauge what their adrenaline cortisol looks like. And, and I mean, yeah, certainly you can go, you know, get tests, which you're getting a snapshot of, but you know, it, it is the type A personality who's working out and, and running the business and, and getting five hours sleep are they actually thriving? I mean, most people love to, you know, rev up that adrenaline and get that adrenaline high runners high. And, you know, is that thriving? My present, uh, thing, I, I would doubt it. I, I would have to agree. It's one of those, like anytime I've ever gone short on sleep, like it, it just like, I, I, I feel drained. I feel like I'm dragging. Like I, I'm not one for like stimulants. Like coffee doesn't really do much of a pick me up. So it's like, Hey, if I'm tired, it's like the only thing I can do is just get some more sleep. And then it kind of, it seems to correct itself. I don't know. Yeah. I, I took the afternoon off of work yesterday and I just drained. I, I've been, been running ragged the last month or so. And, um, I pretty much just sat on the couch and just could not stop eating. It's just like, okay, so my body needed rest and nutrients. Cool. Like, let's give it that. And, you know, I'm back. I, I feel like I caffeinated today, but I did not. <laughs> so. Do you, how, how do you eat? Do you like just, is, so is, is it more of an intuitive eating? Is it like, uh, you know what? I'm usually pretty good with these things. And then I just, hey, that's, you kind of cycle through the same things over and over. How does that work for you? Um, uh, I do kind of cycle through the same things, although my, I guess the, the portions of, of the different foods will vary. I mean, I've noticed myself recently, like eating 
probably close to about 50% of the meat that I used to eat. So per meal, I mean, I'm still eating, eating, you know, muscle meat every, every meal, but, um, the, the portion is much decreased and working on just getting more, more vegetables specifically, not doing too much in fruits these days. But, um, so yeah, it kind of seems like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing, but then intuitively, um, you know, the, the, the portions, you know, may a little more salad, a little less meat, a little, you know, extra potatoes, whatever. And, was, and there, was, was there anything conscious about that where it's like, you know, what, I'm going to just make this shift and see how I feel? Or is it, it just kind of naturally happened. And then you look it, back like, and it was like, oh, wow, I changed with this. Yeah. It kind of felt like it just naturally happened. I just, uh, I would eat and, you know, I would have my normal, you know, steak portion and I'm going like, I can't finish this. And I feel like I would be forcing myself to, if I would, so push it away and save it for later. Which is, uh, it's got to be the first time in my life that I've ever done that. So it, it's been very weird. And um, frankly, I, it reminds me of uh, when, when Paul Check went vegan or vegetarian or whatever the hell he did. And, um, I think a little bit of both. Like it was switched from vegan to vegetarian and then just back to just his normal gig, I think. Right. But uh, yeah, just kind of, okay, so this is or is not working, but I just, I just am not craving this so it's it's just very interesting to me have you ever experimented either with like going vegan going vegetarian at all no i i have not i i love meat way too much to to give it up is it so, so i i try not to say, say never but uh, i doubt it no i'm curious so is it and for yourself do you think it's like talking about it yesterday like uh, you said you were just ready you just needed to eat food. Like your body was just absolutely craving it. Like, do you think it's that, uh, you are, are almost like addicted to the meat or do you find yourself? It's like, no, you just get a lot out of it. You're still getting the energy of the animal. Like it's just helping, uh, you thrive, uh, with that as well. Hmm. I hadn't considered this. I feel like I should be paying for this coaching session. <laughs> but, uh... no, these are just things that I'm fascinated with. That's why I'm asking questions about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I'm really not sure how to answer that. Do you ever, so do you ever uh, try any of like Paul's work where he talks about like just the, the soul connection, like with your foods or, every once in a while I will, yeah. but uh, not, not typically. I just kind of go by, you know, what, what I'm feeling It maybe, maybe more of an unconscious level really, I guess, but. Do you ever grow your own foods? No. No. How about any, any hunting, fishing? Um, not really. No, I I I, I used to fish a I lot. Say, I feel like I see you as a fisherman. Yeah, I, I used to really enjoy fishing and just uh, haven't really made the time for it. Although I did I did finally buy some new new tackle and stuff last year to to um, get back into it. But uh, all right, so what are you going out for? What do you like fishing? A, a bass. Smallmouth, largemouth, stripers? Uh, whatever will bite. <laughs> That's, that is the truest answer you can get right there. Whatever yeah. will bite. That is absolutely what it comes down to. I'm happy to bring in a three-inch pan fish if that's what I got. I, I'll tell you what. Like, it, this is what I was – so yesterday I was just having a patient – or yeah, I, I had a patient. We were just talking about fishing. And, and like 
it's an older guy and he said like so yeah we were talking about it and i said because uh, he, he talked about like fishing with his grandkids or something and again my son like he could hold on to the pole like we went out last year like he basically just walked and held on to a pole as we went along the creek but i was curious like hey how do you get a kid into something like this like because i think he's interested in it and it's like hey i, I was kind of just asking him, like where do i go but he said like just get him anywhere you go just get something like you can look off the dock if you see panfish like let him just drop it in hook it and like he'll be hooked the second he sees that fish on the end of his line like so that's why i'm just excited to try something like that yeah i i remember my my little cousins when I, I was a kid they had they bought some kind of kitty pole and it literally just had like a rubber weight on the end so you could practice casting which i mean i i think that's the second funnest part besides bringing a fish in but just you know seeing how far you can chuck chuck the thing out just there like launching it out yeah exactly is there anything else that you like to do outdoors, Brian? Like just that you're like really get into when you're going? Um, I don't want to necessarily call it hiking, but more of just walking in nature. I just, I just enjoy being outside and, um, you know, trying to, again, bring myself back into the present moment and enjoy what's actually out there instead of, um, doing it, uh, with an outcome in mind. Like, oh, I'm doing this because it's good for me. No, I'm doing this because I enjoy it. And, you know, very – I, I personally am a very outcome-dependent person, and so I something I've definitely been working on. But, uh, um, yeah. Do, do you like to go, I mean, by yourself, with people, like, or is it just, hey, kind of however it works out? Yeah, pretty much however it works out. I, I definitely like to, you know, do it by myself and then – uh, get out there with my fiance and, and daughter and just enjoy it. That was, um, there's a, a state park right up the road from us and, and there's a, a small airport right there too. And so we go walk in the, the beach and, and the little planes are flying overhead and, uh, daughter's just, you know, loves the planes and it, it's, it's a good time in the, in the summer. So. Have you ever uh, thought about taking up, uh, pilot lessons? <gasps> that's uh once business gets a little better maybe i'll, I'll begin thinking about that I, I don't know why like this is i i feel like i never would feel comfortable enough flying an airplane i i don't know why yeah well i mean maybe some fears to uh to look into there nick i guess so i you know what? i had never thought about it that way like maybe I, it was just i never thought about like to me it's like I don't know about that. That seems like a lot to be able to take on. So for me, like I, I definitely have control issues like everyone else, but getting in the car with somebody else driving triggers like every fearful thing in me. Like, you know, if you want to go do whatever you want to do. Fine. Have at it. I'm not trying to control you, but once my physical body is like in a, in a car with somebody else driving and I'm out of control, like just everything's just going off on me. So it's very interesting. So do you find that comes up like for anything else for yourself? Not really. Mostly just driving. I, I've been in a few car accidents myself, all of which I've been driving. But So I, I'm not sure exactly why I, I project that yeah, fear. You'd, well, you'd be more comfortable with somebody else driving like that. I, I'm thinking the opposite there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a, that's the difference between logic and emotion. <laughs> Logically, it would make sense to have somebody else drive emotionally. I need to be in control. Uh, see, that's where I, okay. Uh, what are your thoughts then, like self-driving cars? Because it's common. 
It, it is. Um, Thoughts and or feelings about it. Uh, well, I'm not really sure. So I used to actually test drive uh, new new cars for a company. And the first time I got into a car with, uh, I believe it was called lane assist. So it actually will, if you're veering out of the lane, it will actually correct for you and bring you back into the center. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I was, uh, I was driving, I was alongside a semi and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to move uh, away from the semi closer to the other side of the lane. And it's pulling me toward the semi and I'm freaking the hell out. Cause it was trying to get me back yeah, in. No, I, I get it. Like I, I, I never had a car that's done that. Uh, mm-hmm. so I don't know, but from that standpoint, right. Like the semi's taking up like a good chunk of the road anyway. So yeah, naturally if there's side, like room to the left, right. Like whichever way, yeah, you're going to probably drift over that way. But if it's pulling you back, that could be a little bit eerie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, adaptive cruise control, same thing. So th- this no, is adaptive. That? So it's like cruise control only, uh, it will brake and accelerate for you, so it senses things around you, and sure, so, so you don't have to like cut or like hit the brakes or something if you right. get too close. It, exactly. So I, you know, I'm driving and I'm following the driver in front of me, and they're braking because there's a stop sign. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm playing with them. I'm just like, let me see what happens, and and the car stopped within distance, um, in front of the car in front of me. My thing is. Because it's technology, it's not what if it fails, it's when it fails. What is the fail-safe? And that is my biggest thing is what – like you need a fail-safe on a fail-safe on a fail-safe, and then, and then you might start having me feel comfortable with it. I don't know. See, I, I look at it like I'm just excited. Time, but at yeah. the same time, like you know, self-driving semis, they're coming. I don't have control over it, so just – you know. Hope to God and have faith that that's not going to run me off the road. So I mean that that's kind of where I'm at is just have faith that uh, that everything's going to work out. Well, I think about it too. It's there are going to be less accidents overall. There just there will be. But yeah. Like you said, would, there are still going to be accidents at the same time. So okay, if if you're watching one about to happen, like you're about to get into, it, it's like. No, I could be stopping this right now, but if it's not letting you stop it, like that could be a very eerily like just creepy feeling as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh I mean, technology's happening whether we like it or not, but now you just don't have to adopt it, I guess, right away. Right. No, yeah. but I, I think about it too, like I don't know if my kids are gonna ever learn to drive. Uh like I it, I think it depends on how fast this type of thing accelerates, but okay, if we're looking maybe 14, 15 years, like when my oldest son would be getting ready to drive, it's like, uh, it may or may not be here, like to that level already where he's just not going to go through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, God, I, I heard something. I, I have no idea what it is, but I heard something about air taxis. In- I just heard this too, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I think... Um, Somewhere in the Middle East and some other city was uh, uh, going to get these air taxis, which I, I don't know if that's flying cars or what. But uh, well, what's going to happen? So that's going to be very intriguing for um, what is it like the, with just the, the skies? Like, think about it, like right now, you're like planes are restricted. Like, there's specific airspace where certain planes can go, you can't go. It's like all this and that. There's going to have to be a whole slew of things that comes with this now too. 
because you don't want people's cars yeah. driving like zipping like five feet over your house or anything like that now either. Right. Yeah. Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> That's Santa Claus is cutting it close with those tires there. I don't know. Right. Oh, Brett. All right. So let's let's uh, maybe wrap things up a little bit. Uh, is there anything you want to share with people before you go, like anywhere they can check you out, see what's going on with you? Like you said, taking maybe a couple new ways, like um, with, with with your podcast as well, if you want to share uh, where everybody can check all these things out. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my business uh, website is painfreefitness.net. Uh, find us on Facebook. You can uh, add me personally on Facebook, Brian McKay. Uh Profile picture at the moment is with uh, me and JP Sears uh, together. So that was that was, that was a cool. When did you guys uh, hang out with JP? Uh, actually, uh, got invited down to an intensive with uh, John McMullen back in the spring, and so got got to spend uh, four or five days with JP, Jator, John, and a uh, uh, bunch of other Billy Perkins. And that sounds like a fun group to be hanging out with. Oh, it, it was it was epic to say the least. Right? On. Have you okay? Uh, I, maybe I missed. It. Like, did you ever podcast or anything on that? Or just uh, made any anything shared on that, like blogs, anything? Not really. We uh, we had John on the show, which if you haven't listened to that episode, a you need to listen to it. B you need to have him on because he's just. I, I'll have to put a link for that. And no, he and I were was, going back and forth a little bit, but we never got to connect. Okay. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, no, that was that was truly epic to say the least. Very cool. And. Uh, um. But yeah, so um, the the podcast, theoptimumhuman.com, I've uh, actually all got all of our episodes up on YouTube now, so um, that's that was quite a project to undertake, but uh, it's been good. And yeah, as far as that goes, we're uh, we're kind of revamping things and taking a new direction. I, I think we're going more for um, entry-ish level practitioners. Um, so uh, talking with you know, obviously the more um, Oh, my words are not working with me today. Uh, well, about this? What is it about like the entry-level practitioner versus uh, maybe we'll call it just the more experienced practitioner that you're interested to talk to them about? Well, just, you know, being able to, to share uh, my experience and um, I feel like this is uh, um, not very humble, but my wisdom that I have to share and, um, you know, help people to to help others. Right on, right on. I love it. Um, so, so looking at, at not only the business end of things as you know, personal trainers and and that because that's typically the the biggest struggle and why the average personal trainer only lasts a year or two. And um, you know, also looking at the the, the clinical side of things and um, you know, really getting people uh, healthy and and into shape. I guess. There you go. Everybody, uh, check out. Painfreefitness.net, Optimum Human Podcast. I mean, there's going to be some awesome uh, awesome places to check out, especially any new clinicians, pr- practitioners out there. Uh, maybe this is, this is a place for them to go uh, check out and uh, maybe hopefully get, get their business uh, booming as well. Absolutely. Brian, it's been a blast. Uh, hopefully this does help also reach uh, a lot of people. Maybe some of your wisdom can, can drop off on them and they can uh, pick up on it as well. Yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. There we go. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. 
Hey guys, and thank you for listening to the Bare Naked Health Podcast. If you want to support the show, please head over to iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, give a five-star rating, positive comment. This really helps other people find this show uh, or just share it with your friends. Uh, hopefully they can get something out of it too. But thank you very much and look forward to talking to you soon.